It's so good just to stop and be still and to, to worship our Savior, to worship our Creator. He's so worthy of our praise. And, and uh, just as Rachel was saying, we can stop and we can, we, can, we can be alone with God in a crowded place. Ever felt alone in a crowded place? Ever been in Melbourne? People everywhere, you're by yourself and you feel so lonely. But you can also be alone with God in a, in a great way, in a, in a way that you just know intimacy with God. Um, I just encourage you to, to find that place where you can just be still and know that He is God through the week and, and shut everything else out. Maybe you need to go and hide in your bedroom or even in your cupboard. Uh, I don't know where you need to go to find that space to be still and be quiet and have no distractions. Maybe you want to jump on your bike and ride out in the bush like I do. Uh, just to be still and know that He is God. Because unless we personally know that and, and make space for that in our lives, our, our world will be chaos. Because He is the one that brings peace. He is the one that brings life to us. Amen? Amen. That's nothing to do... Well, it's kind of connected to my message, but uh, <laughs> thank you, Lord. You know, we live in a world of opportunity. We have so many opportunities in this life. We are so blessed in so many ways, in so many things, but we are bombarded with opportunities, I've got to say. We have opportunities to travel the world. We have opportunities to become what you want to be. You can be trained, you can be educated. We have opportunities galore in this world, in this life, and especially in, in our society. We are so blessed with opportunities and privilege. I was, I was talking to one of the youth just a week or two ago about how they'd been talking to some people about uh, the blessing we ha have in Australia and did you know, if you own a fridge, a refrigerator, you're one of the richest people on earth. If you own a car, you're in like the top few percent of people in the world. You are blessed, you are privileged to have what you have. I am blessed. We have so many opportunities. We have opportunities galore. We can communicate with people on the other side of the world. We can travel to other places. We can do things and go places. And there's, there's support for us in Australia as people if we can't get work. And there's, there are opportunities for us that are unbelievable. But with so many opportunities, how do we decide what opportunities to take and what opportunities to leave? My life is constantly a question of, God, which opportunities do I take and which ones don't I take? It's not about just finding an opportunity at saying, God, which one's the right one? How do we know which one is the right one? How do we know when is enough? How do we know uh, when is too much? We have so many images and ideas thrown at us day after day after day after day, minute by minute, second by second. They beep at you, they pop at you, they, they're on signs, they're on billboards, they're, they're in shops. Everywhere we go, we're thrown ideas of opportunities that we can have in this life. You know, when it comes to, to body image alone, we, we, we sort of get the idea of how fit we should be, how, how, what our ideal weight should be, what, what our hairstyle should be like, what our fashion should be like. Maybe your wife says, that's not what your fashion should look like. Or maybe, maybe it's the other way around, I don't know. Uh, we, we, we have images thrown at us saying what the ideal age is. Do you, do you realise when you're young, so many kids grow up saying, oh, I wish I was just a bit older. And you get to a certain age and suddenly you start to sort of go, I wish I was just a little bit younger. And, and, and like there's, there's, a, there's an image thrown at us that it's like there's an ideal age, which is crazy. It just makes no sense. Do you realize that? It's like the age you are right now is perfect for you. And say, thank you, Lord, for my age. If, if it's gray hairs, thank God for the wisdom that's hopefully come with that. 
And if you're young, thank God for the vitality and the fact that your body recovers quicker. I'm 35 now and I went bike racing yesterday and my legs just don't recover as quickly as they used to. It's a shame, isn't it? But we have so many images thrown at us of our health, our fitness, our fashion, our age, our style, what we should be like. But I wonder how much time do we spend thinking about our spiritual health, our spiritual body, our spiritual fitness. I wonder how much time do we think, spend thinking about our, the, the health of the body of Christ. Because in reality, the, all the things that we do in this life will pass away. But our spiritual health, the health of the body of Christ, has eternal consequences. You might never brush your teeth in your life and your teeth will fall out and go green and be disgusting Sorry if that's, I'm not saying anyone's teeth are disgusting this morning, but it's probably going to happen if you never brush them. But in the end, it's got no eternal consequences. But if you never think about your spiritual health, if you never think about how you are going in God, if you never think about the body of Christ and the health of the body, it's going to impact the people around you because we are called to be a light to our world. We are called to be salt and light to those around us. And if we are not remaining built up and grounded in Christ, then it has consequences for us and those around us. Today we're starting part two of our series. We've been starting a series on core values and we've spent the last three weeks talking about uh, our core values. These are values that have not changed since the foundation of this church, since it was founded and this building was built in 1981, the, the, the core values of this church have not changed. The things that we want to hold to for a hundred years from now, we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And the last three weeks we've talked about core value number one, that we want to uphold and proclaim biblical truth always. It is our foundation, it is the authority for us, it is God's word to us. If we deviate from that, we are lost. We want to uphold and proclaim biblical truth always. There's some uh, little bookmarks on the back table there that uh, cover a couple of things we talked about over the, the part, well, I'm going to call it our first series, on our first mini-series of our series on the core values. And it's on the back, it's talking about um, how we know that we can trust God's Word. Maybe you want to keep that in your Bible so you can be reminded continually of how we know that God's Word is true. And on the other side, it's got how to read the Bible, some questions that we can ask, some of the things that we talked about, some of the things that are in Firm in the Faith and those things to, to help you as you open the Bible and say, God, I don't understand it, but here's some questions that you can look at and think about to help you understand God's Word. I encourage you to grab one of them, keep it in your Bible, even if you don't need it, maybe there's someone you can give it to and say, hey, be encouraged, God can speak to you through His Word. Amen? Amen. Cool. They'll be all gone this afternoon. Great. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> this morning we're going to start our, our second part of this series and it's all about our second core value and that is this, that we want to value and protect the sanctity of the whole body of Christ. We want to value it, we want to appreciate it, we want to protect it, we want to guard the sanctity, the sacred nature, the, the holiness of the body of Christ. We don't want to treat it as, as something that is insignificant or, or trivial. 
But we have been joined into the body of Christ. We have become a part of the body of Christ. And we want to value and protect the whole body of Christ. It's not just here at CFC. We are not God's answer to the world on our own. You're a part of it, but you are not God's answer to the world. We need to remind ourselves of that sometimes. When we feel like the weight of the world is on our shoulders, we can say, thank you, Lord, it's not on our shoulders, it's on all that you have called. We want to value and protect the sanctity of the whole body of Christ. Every believer in Christ around the world is a part of his body, and we want to value and protect the sanctity of that amazing thing, which is the body of Christ. Maybe you're reading that and you're thinking, Andrew, I have no clue what that means. I say, that's okay, because that's what we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about. So, that's good, isn't it? Yeah, you sound really excited. It's really quiet. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. I just want to pray before we open the Bible together right now. God, we thank you that we can be forgiven and made holy and righteous in your sight by the blood of Jesus. And look, Lord God, you don't leave us on our own, that you bring us into your body, your church. God, we thank you that you join us and you give us a family, which is your church, Lord God, that we can become a part of a a group of people that you want to support and, and encourage us and use us to support and encourage also. And Lord God, I just pray that through this series that we would just all the more see how amazing and wonderful and privileged we are to be a part of your body, Lord, that we would value it, that we would protect it, that, Lord God, that you would help us to become more and more aligned with the, the plans you have for us, that we would be the, the member of the body that you desire us to be. Every one of us, Lord, individually, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've got your Bibles there, I encourage you to open it up to John chapter 1, and we're going to read from John chapter 1. I will open it up, encourage you to bring your Bible. If you haven't got your Bible, maybe you want to use your phone. I can't do that technology Bible stuff. I can't underline and draw pictures the same way. But uh, John chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 6. John 1 begins with, in the beginning, um, no, now I've got blank. The Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. Um, and then we're going on to verse 6. It says, God sent a man... John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical rebirth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. Do you remember it? That heartbeat and that heartbeat 
for that heartbeat, that breath you just took, we have one gracious blessing after another that we don't even recognize. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. You know, Jesus was no ordinary man. Jesus was no ordinary man. He is no ordinary man. He is the Word made flesh. We've been talking about the Word the last three weeks. And Jesus is the Word made flesh. He created the world. Through Him, all things were made. He is the light of the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is not just another man who lived on this earth. He was not just a great teacher. He was not just a a good person. He was God in human flesh. He came, he became fully human. He put aside his, his attributes as God. He is fully still God, but became human that he could give his life as a ransom to bring atonement, that we could have forgiveness and new life through him. You know, I used to be in scouts. You know, you wear the little funny hats and the, the boggles and the scarves and you say dib, 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 dob, 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 and other stuff that I can't remember, but uh, we did some fun stuff as scouts. We went along and we, we did canoeing and did lots of fun things. It was a great group to be a part of, and if you're a part of scouts or adventurers or anything like that, it's a, it's a good, fun thing to be a part of. But you know, that organization was started, if I remember right, by Lord Baden-Powell. Is that right? Yep, I've got it right. Great organization, but it was just started by a man. It's a good group, but there's plenty of other good groups out there. There's plenty of other good organizations. But Jesus came not just as a man, he came as God himself to begin something, to start something, to to establish his church on this earth that was not just a good group, it is not just a good thing, it is God's plan for this earth that they might know him, that they might discover his grace, his love, his mercy, that they could have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Jesus is not just a good man. He is not just an ordinary man. He is God in human flesh. And I want to start off by saying let's value and protect and honor and and understand the holy, sacred nature of who Jesus is. He is God, the, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's worship Him. Let's understand and recognize and, and submit to Him. Matthew chapter 1. Verse 23 says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It was prophesied all through the Old Testament, Jesus coming. You know, Jesus wasn't created at his birth. He came to this earth as a child through his birth, but he has been since the beginning. Colossians 1.15 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. It's through him that we have an inheritance. It's through him that we have... We are co-heirs with Christ. It's all through Jesus. It's through Christ. And we are called to be a part of his body. But you may be saying, Andrew, how do we do that? How does that happen? I'm glad you asked. Let's turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Let's turn there if you've got your Bibles there. And we're going to read verse 1 to 17. It says, I am the true grapevine. So he's using some metaphors here in case you're wondering. 
I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and He prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. You know, we have been joined into the vine. We have been joined into Christ. We have been joined into the body of Christ. And in Him we have life. You think about a branch that's cut off. You do some pruning at home. You chop off a branch. You throw it over there. And you come back out a year later, if if you haven't cleaned up. Um, I've never done that. Um, (laughs) That's a lie I have. Um, (laughs) You throw a branch over there. It's been chopped off off the tree it's dead. It might last a little while. There might be some, some, some green shoots for a little time, but eventually it will die. And every one of us has sinned. We have all cut ourselves off from Christ. We, we, are, we are sinful. We are, we are like that branch cut off from the vine. But through Christ, we are washed. We are made clean. We are we're taken from the old, wild um, plant that shouldn't be there, weed. <laughs> We've been cut off. We were, we were part of sin. But we have been cut off that we, we, we might be grafted into the true vine. That His life might th- flow through us. That we would become one with Him. That we would have His life. That His, his fruit would come through us. It's not our fruit, it's His fruit that comes through us as we are joined, as we remain in the vine. Life comes from Him. Life flows when we remain in Him and stay joined to Him. There's a whole heap of things we could talk about from John 15, but just a couple other things. It says, we are no longer slaves. He calls us His friends. How amazing is it that God, the Creator of all things, not only would forgive us, 
not only even want to call us slaves, but call us friends. He wants you to talk to Him. Friends are people that you love to have come over and spend time with. You love to go and talk to them. You, you, you enjoy each other's company. Most of the time, I think. <laughs> Sorry. He calls us His friends. But if you keep reading through the Bible, we see that not only does He call us His friends, He calls us His family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are His, His, His family. We are sons and daughters of the living God. And He calls us not only His family, His friends, but His body. Now that should boggle our minds. That Christ, the holy, pure, sinless, spotless Son of God, would call us His body. His hands, His feet, His, his body. My sinful life, that He would want my life to be joined to His as a part of His body to be His hands and feet on this earth. It is, it is amazing. It is truly wonderful. We have been joined in. We didn't deserve it, but through Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness and can, we can be joined in and know His life flowing through us. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 21 to 23 says this, So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Now he's talking to those who are in Christ. He's talking to those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And he says, previously to this he's talking about, look, doesn't matter if Paul baptized you or, or Apollos or Cephas. Or, and he's saying, don't worry about those things. Don't boast in men and what people have said about you or what, who taught you or who trained you or whose life group you're a part of or what church you go to. Don't boast in those things. He says, boast in Christ. You have all things through Christ. It's in Him that you have forgiveness. It's in Him that you have redemption. It's in Him you have a new life. It's in Him that you're a new creation in Christ. It's in Him that you can have, find peace. It's in Him that you can find joy. Don't boast in those other things. Boast in Christ. Be joyful in Christ. Every blessing of God is ours if we are in Christ. In Ephesians, it talks about how every spiritual blessing is ours through Christ. Every spiritual blessing, grace, redemption, forgiveness, new life, eternal life, all things are ours if we are in Christ. If we are joined as a part of His body, if He is our Savior, we know that He is our Lord, that He is the head of His body, the church. Every blessing of God is ours if we are in Christ. Acts chapter 17, verse 28, the passage that someone was reading from last week, says this. It says, For in Him we live and move and have our being. In Him we live. In Him we move. In Him we have our being. In Him we discover who we are created to be. In Him we have the life that God intended for us to have. In Him we have the peace that passes understanding. In Him we can have joy that the world can never offer. We are offered so many things, so many opportunities, but it's in Him that we live and truly have life. In this life and in the life to come, it's in Him that life is found. 
Let's value and protect the sanctity of the whole body of Christ, of what Jesus has done for us, that we could have life in Him. It is extraordinary what He has done for us. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 5, says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, we can be tempted to chase after so many different things and not give our lives fully to God. Let's not copy the behaviour and customs of this world. Let's not just chase after everything that people in this world chase after. Now, I was talking to someone through the week who, um, actually it was at a funeral I did on Wednesday, that someone said to me, you know, what made you become a pastor? Like, you're a young guy. I'm like, well, why are you a pastor? And I, I shared with him, I, I said, you know, I grew up in church and I, I shared with him my journey about how I went to Papua New Guinea and I saw these people who had absolutely nothing physically. But they knew that Jesus was their saviour and they had such a joy and a peace that people in my life around me that they just totally did not have. And I came back from that trip and I was, my, my heart from that point has been totally set on God. I want people to know the hope that those people have. You know, we don't have to have nothing, but we can have joy in nothing. Nothing but Christ. And I don't want to live like the rest of the world. I don't want to chase after all the things this world tells us we need. I want to trans- let my mind, my world be transformed by Christ, by His Word, that the life of Christ would flow through me, that my direction would not come from this world, but it would come from the head of His church, which is Christ. I hadn't planned to stop there. We'll keep going. <laughs> verse, uh, where are we up to? That verse. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. You know, we belong to one another. If you are a part of the body of Christ You know, we can't love God, we can't love Christ and hate the church. We can't love God and hate our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can't walk in division and love God. We are called to love and serve one another out of humility and respect for Christ. We belong to one another. Now, we're all very different. Look around the room. Actually, do it. Look around the room. We're all very different. We have different lives. We have different backgrounds. We love different things. We do different things. We have different ideas about different things, but we are called to love and serve one another. 
Jesus died for each one of us. If Jesus died for that person, if Jesus gave his life for that person sitting beside you, across the room from you, if Jesus died for that person, how do you think he wants us to treat that person? Jesus gave his life for every person on this earth that they might know his love, that they might know his grace and forgiveness and be saved. And his desire for us as his body is that we would learn to treat one another with love and respect and kindness. That we would be the body that he desires, that people would know us by our love for one another. And it's hard. I remember speaking at a youth camp and I was, there was a bit of tension and friction and things going on in this youth camp and I happened to be the guest speaker on this camp and uh, the next session was kind of interesting to get started. I'm thinking, wow... How do I start this? And I, I shared about the verse itself. talks about how we are iron that sharpens iron. And you get two sheets of corrugated iron and rub them backwards and forwards on each other. There's going to be some horrible noises, isn't there? Do you know that noise? It's like, it's like that scraping noise. And there could be some sparks flying. And it's a little uncomfortable. You know, I have this idea that God has called us to be His body and to come together at His church so that we might be iron that sharpens iron. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> Not always. It's challenging. It's hard sometimes. It would be easier to live the Christian life if, like I first thought in my Christian life, you got a desert island and you went and lived there all by yourself, all by myself. And it would be so easy, wouldn't it? To be a Christian, to be loving and kind if you never saw another human being in your life. But God calls us to come together and to share life, and to do life, and, and not forsake meeting together, and, and, and be a part of a life group, and, and to share your life with each other. Isn't it beautiful? Most of the time. You know, I had this picture in my mind as I was thinking about this through the week, and um, uh, training as an athlete, I used to go to the gym, and, and, and I used to do squats, and I, I think about what I used to lift now, and I think, my goodness, but, and I, I never had to do that in a race. It's like, why do that? Because you're training your body to be, to be ready for the, for, the, for the assignment. And you think about a footy team. I know there's footy teams and they, they train and they run and they strap tyres around their, their waist and they run with tyres behind them. Has anyone ever seen that? Like, yep, they have things to hold them back. They never do that in a game. Why do that in training? It's like, it's crazy, isn't it? No. Because a coach wants them to be prepared. He wants them to be well trained. He wants them to have gone through every challenge that they might face on the field so that they are ready for game day. You know, we come together as his church that we might be, we might be challenged, that we might be irritated, that we might be frustrated. I think it's God's plan that we come together and we get annoyed. Did you know that? Well, it's not nice when we do, but as we work through those things, as we discover how to live as Christ followers, we learn to be His church in this world. We come together day by day on different times in the week and we, we come together and we, we strap tires around our waist and we, we run. We learn to train our bodies, we train ourselves, we train our minds, we let God's Word change us. So that when we go out of here, when people treat us as we don't like, we don't react as the world reacts that we become His body, that we be His hands and His feet and kindness and love, even though others might do other things to us. 
Jesus died for every one of us and he wants us to treat each other with love and respect and kindness and graciousness and forgiveness and be merciful as he has been merciful to us. Now, if you think about the body of Christ, we're all connected. And I don't know if you can see up the back there, but every part of the body of Christ is connected. And if you can see those cogs, every one of them is intertwined, they are, they are linked and if one cog is affected, every other cog in the body is affected also. If one part decides, I'm not going to be the part that I'm created to be anymore, it affects the whole body. You think of a, 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 a grinding cog in a machine that stopped working and every other cog around it, 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 it. If one part is grieved, all parts are grieved. We are one body and we must protect and guard and, and support and encourage one another. And now the, the left hand is not as connected to the, to the right elbow as the left hand is, and, and the knee is not as connected to the shoulder as the, the arm is, but every part is connected, and every part needs to appreciate every other part. We are called to be the body of Christ. We all belong to one another, and we need to guard and protect and value the whole body of Christ. Not just here in CFC, but you know, this church was planted, but not with the intention of just having people come and know who Jesus is. This church was planted with the, the heart and the vision that people would come, they would discover who Jesus is, they would be filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with passion and fire and enthusiasm. And as revived people, we would go out to this world that others would know the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And it's not just for this city even. The, the, the original vision statement, which I have filed away in my office, says that this church would not just be for the city of Colac, but it would be for the regions around this city. That it would be for every place that God gives us opportunity to go and present and encourage people in Christ. That excites me. We are called to be a part of the whole body of Christ, to encourage in whatever way we can. And the way you do it is a different to the way you'll do it. And the way you do it is a different to the way you'll do it. But we are all called to be a part of valuing and protecting the whole body and encouraging one another. Romans 12 verse 9, I was going to read more of it, but I could read too much. Um, he talks about how God has given diff different gifts to each one of us. And he says, to use your gifts gladly. And he says in verse 9, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. That's profound, isn't it? Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honouring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. I just want to pause and say, that doesn't mean you shouldn't rest. That doesn't mean it's not okay to stop. Jesus withdrew to the lonely places at times and we need to know the balance of those things. Verse 12, he says, Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. I love that word practice. He says, none of us have made it yet. I know your house might be messy, but just practice some hospitality. It's like you might not get it right today, but practice. Practice hospitality. I know it probably means other things too. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. 
And just skipping down to verse 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And just as I think about the world's images bombarding us day after day after day after day, don't let opportunity of this world conquer you. Don't let the things of this world overtake you, but overcome evil by listening to what the Father says. Let's listen to what He is saying to each of us. Ephesians 5, no, sorry. (laughs) I saw this picture just a couple of weeks ago and I wanted to share it with you this morning. And I want us to think about where are we at in our life as members of the body of Christ, if you know Jesus, or if maybe you've never come to that point of saying, God, I recognize that I am a sinner and I want to know the life you have for me. The Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, anyone who repents, who turns away from sin and turns to Him, will be forgiven. You are joined into His body the moment you put your trust in Jesus Christ for your forgiveness and eternal life. And this morning as we think about where we're at, you know, on that side of the box is we can be in Christ. We know Jesus is our Saviour, we know that He is our righteousness, that we are saved by grace and that we are in Him. But we can also be in sin, we can be living in selfish pride, we can be separated and cut off from Christ because of sin. And that place is to be walk in darkness. John 3.16 talks about God so loved the world, but he then goes on to talk about how those who, who sin walk in darkness. They don't want to know the, lo- the light of God because it exposes our sin. We can walk in that place in selfishness and sin. But you know, we can live in sin and we can live in Christ and experience blessing. You know, sometimes evil people flourish. Sometimes people who are doing terrible things seem to get away with it and flourish in this life. It's, it's a reality. They, they seem to flourish. They, they, they seem blessed. But we, we, can, we can walk in God and, and be blessed and flourish, but God causes His reign to, to come on the righteous and the, on the unrighteous. And for a time, they may seem to be blessed, but in eternity, they are, they are cut off from Christ and they will wither and die like that branch that has been cut off. You can, you can do your own thing and experience joy and happiness to, to a point, but you will not know the life that God has for you, even on this earth, if you walk in sin and selfishness and pride. We can be in that place or, you know, we can actually walk in Christ. We can know Jesus as our Saviour and be in a place of suffering. The Bible tells us that we will suffer for the sake of the gospel. If we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, there is sometimes a place of suffering that we are in. And it's not because you've done the wrong thing. It's not because you're sinful or selfish or prideful, but it's simply because you are walking in Christ's ways and, and there are things that are happening in your life that God is allowing but there's sometimes a place in Christ where we suffer. But also what is true is that we can suffer because of our sin and selfishness. We can suffer because of our pride. And if you think about your life, at times we can be, we can be in turmoil, thinking, God, why are you allowing this to happen? And you need to realise that you, you are not, not in Christ just because you're suffering. And if you're flourishing it doesn't mean you're necessarily in Christ if you're walking in sinful, selfish pride. 
Don't ever let yourself think that just because you're getting away with something means that you're doing what God wants. I hope that's making sense. There's a few people looking a little confused. (laughs) But in Christ, we have every spiritual blessing. I wonder this morning, where are you at? You know, we can, as Christians, sometimes slip back into selfish motives and desires and, and thinking. We can do things. We can serve people sometimes with a selfish desire to to look good but it doesn't bring blessing on the body of christ the way it should if we're truly doing it for the glory of god and our and to love our brothers and sisters in christ i wonder where are we at if we know we've been living in 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 selfish pride if we know we in that different times in our week we're tempted to to boast and, and talk about how good we are or if we're tempted to go back to chasing after all our own praise or, or whatever it might be, let's ask God to help us to, to walk in Christ, to continue on in Him. If we're in a place of suffering, say, Lord, help me to see that you still love me. Help me to see that I still am in Christ. Ephesians 5, verse 23. If that's confused you, just forget about it. Focus on the verses. If it's helped you, Praise God. Ephesians 5.23 says, He is the Savior of His body, the church. Jesus came and gave His life on the cross so that you and I could be joined with Him and have life on this earth, connected to our Creator God, that we could have peace, that we could have joy, that we could have His thoughts in us and not just follow on with the world, that we could be His church. And my prayer is over the coming weeks that we would get excited, that we would be so stirred by the privilege we have to be called the body of Christ, His church, that we could be His hands, His feet, His elbows, His kidneys, His... There's so many different parts of the body, isn't there? But what a privilege that we can be used for His glory. We can be tempted to chase after so many things, but it is in Christ that we have life, and even eternal life. I'm going to ask the band to come, and I just want to pray, before we sing this song, Cornerstone, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Can we stand this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh God, even as we're talking about the great privilege and blessing it is to be joined to you, to be, to be a part of your body, to be your church, Lord. God, my heart aches right now just for any people here today that may not know you as their Saviour and their Lord. God, I, I pray for anyone here today that maybe they've heard about Jesus, they've, they've even gone to church maybe for a long time. But they're not aware of your forgiveness. They're not aware of that it's through you that we have salvation, redemption, forgiveness, that our sin is washed away. You know, this morning you can say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the things that I've done that I know don't please you. Just 
right now, I just encourage you to, to ask God to help you to turn away from those selfish, sinful things that you have done in the past. God, I just pray that you would help us to turn from sin and turn and follow you. I thank you, Jesus, that, Lord, when you were on this earth as a, as a person walking around on the earth, Lord Jesus, you, you spoke to, to dishonest tax collectors who stole for a living. You spoke to thieves, you spoke to prostitutes, you spoke to the worst of sinners in people's lives, Lord, and you said, come, follow me. I thank you, Lord, that there is hope, there is forgiveness for every one of us through what you have done for us on the cross. I thank you, Lord, for that moment of baptism where we publicly declare that you are our Lord and Saviour. Lord, for every one of us who has been baptised, we have buried that old life and we know that it is finished through Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we, as we go on in this life, as we stumble at times, as we allow ourselves to be drawn away and, and chase after other things at a time, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that our salvation is you is, is, is safe and secure, that we don't lose our salvation when we stumble. But Lord, I pray that you would give us strength, that you would give us a resolve to stand up and turn around and run after you again. That God, you would help us as the body of Christ to, to guard one another, to protect, to encourage, to, to be the body that you desire us to be. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would stir our hearts, that we would truly value and protect the sanctity, the holiness, the sacredness, the amazing privilege of what you have done, that we can be a part of the whole body of Christ. And God, I just pray that even as we sing this song, that you would help us, each one individually and together as your church, Lord, to surrender to you. Lord God, you are the head of your church, and we, Lord, we just surrender and ask, Lord, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would use us for your glory in whatever way you choose. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.